Hello and welcome to another episode of our show. Today's guest is Danny Stone. Danny is an entrepreneur, podcast, host, author, coach, speaker, and community servant. His podcast, The Grind and Gratitude Show, helps people to shift their mindset and take their life and business to the next level. Both of his books, You Have the Keys, Now Drive, and New Me, written by 10 black men, have received readers in over nine countries and are transforming lives and firing people up to be the drivers in their own lives. Danny believes you have a champion inside of you, and he talks about that today, and how we can seize our own keys and drive our own car. If you enjoy this podcast, please be sure to support us on Patreon. We are on there for a dollar a month. It helps us to keep this ad free and to continue doing what we love. Thank you very much, and I hope you enjoy. Uncut, uncensored, and unfiltered. This is an open mind, and you're listening to I'm Probably Wrong About Everything. All right, Danny Stone, how are you? I'm doing great, man. How are you, Robert? I'm, I'm doing good, thank you. I'm doing good. So uh, we, we were talking just before on how I got to know you, started following you on Instagram, and I'm so thankful for the algorithmic gods or whatever they are <laughs> for uh, uh, bringing me to you. So tell us a little bit. My, my understanding is that I've read uh, uh, parts of your book, uh, You Have the Keys Now Drive, you're, uh, you're a, a coach, motivational coach, but you do lots of work in education. Uh, how would you describe what it is that you do? I'm a community servant. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, I do a lot of different things from transformational speaking to a lot of community work with young people, with older people, a lot of things around mindset, habits, goals. Um, and then, you know, the, you know, I have two books out. You Have the Keys Now Drive. And I co-wrote another one called New Me with uh, nine other Black men. But everything I do is about serving the community and helping people to understand that you're not your failures, your mistakes, or the things that have gone wrong. Every day you wake up is another opportunity for you to take a step in the, in the direction of the life that you're trying to create. So that's what it's all about, man. I know I, I do a lot of different things, but they're, they're all going the same way. So you've really understood your purpose and that's just to help others in the best capacity that you can. Yeah, I mean, I kind of stumbled onto my purpose and I think this is the thing about purpose. People look at your purpose like it's just this aha moment and you realize mm -hmm. that's it. And it's really through trial and error and stepping outside of your comfort zone and doing things that you never thought you could do. Like in order to find your comfort, in order to find your purpose, you got to get uncomfortable. And so I've always been somebody who's done a lot of work in the community. I've always been someone who's, I, I call it doing my part um, from growing up in low income housing. I just used to mentor young people. And then I started working for different community organizations, giving back. And then that was my life. And I never realized that was my purpose. I just, it took me a long time to realize it was just something that I did. And then the people's reactions to speaking or coaching or teaching or mentoring, I started to kind of understand that maybe I'm making a difference a little bit. And I just kept on with that direction. And so every 
job I've ever had, it was always been about helping people to move their life or their career forward. And it's always been that. And then one day I was just like, maybe this is my thing. <laughs> maybe this is what I'm supposed to do <laughs> after doing it for so many years. <laughs> well, in your, in your book, you have the keys now drive. You talk about, and which is an amazing title because Thanks. it's, it's so simple. And I try, I, I, I share sort of similar things to people that when opportunity knocks at your door, answer it. Right. When, when, when people give you gems, when people give you things, opportunities, right. We, we sometimes question our worth and we say like, you know, there's that imposter syndrome or that imposter effect. Like, right. am I really worthy of this? The fact that I'm speaking to you right now, in my mind, I'm, I'm going through that. Like, how did I get here? <laughs> and it really just comes down to, I, I saw this amazing quote uh, today, actually funny again, how the, the algorithms speak to us. You know, I don't get a whole lot of cat content. I get a lot of like, you know, step into your purpose content, which I'm thankful for. That's awesome, man. Yeah. But it, it was this guy saying that we have two lives and the first one begin, or excuse me, the second one begins when we realize we only have one. Wow. Words, the effect of we, our minds are, 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 are so amazing that we can kind of future think right like oh i'll do that tomorrow which is what right. procrastination means in latin it means literally of tomorrow right versus what you're about is like let's seize the opportunity today by developing you know understanding the keys uh you know vision purpose failure uh uh curiosity is it curiosity yeah and have support. the discipline to follow yeah that's right yeah. And then you, so you realize that these keys, but what's a key is it's something that opens a door, but in order to open that door, you need to have the habits. And you talked about uh, Duig's book, uh, the, the power of habit or something like that. Yeah. The power of habit. Yeah. And yeah. there's the cue reward. That's right. There's a whole, yeah. there's a, yeah. It, you know, the thing about habits is you're right. I think every you're talking about is right. I think the challenge for a lot of us is the future is so far away mm -hmm. that we get discouraged, right? It's like, wow, that's, you know, five years from now, I want to have this. Well, it's just too far. So we have to break it down in terms of what can you do today and understand that that one step today is going to get you one step closer. And there's this rule called you only have to get 1% better. So all you have to do is one thing more than you did yesterday, mm -hmm. right? And I have this whole thing around how to set goals because I, I believe that a, a, a challenge with a lot of the ways that we set goals is, well, there's three big challenges. If, if Can I go there? Or do you want me to kind of break down the three challenges? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So the three challenges I found when it comes to goals, when you look at all of these other goal setting systems or whatever, the biggest challenge is one, it's not aligned to a greater purpose, right? And, and, and you don't have to know what it is, but like, what is your why for waking up every day? What is that, right? That's the first thing that you have to think about because if you're setting goals and it's not aligned to that, you're never gonna really take action and see it through. The second thing is what is the vision for your life? Like three years from now, what do you see? Or five years, what do you see for your life? And then the third part is, is really around the goals. like. If your goals aren't aligned to those two things, 
they're never is never going to inspire you enough to want to wake up and take action every day. And then what happens is most of us have 10 or 11 goals and we don't know which ones to focus on. But when it's aligned to a vision and a purpose or something greater, now you know and you focus on the things that are important and you filter out the things that aren't. And then the third thing mm. is because your goal is so far away, you can't see it. So what you have to do is act as if you don't have five years or one year, right? When you think about a year long goal or you, and you're in your job and your boss says, okay, next year, we're going to do this. When do you actually start to take action on that? It's, it's a year away. So you wait till when the last right. 90 days. So imagine if you take the last 90 days that you start to work on it at the end and you put it in the front and you say, I only have 90 days to get this done. Those three mm. things, if you wake up like that every day, the procrastination, when you know you only have 90 days to get something done, you know that it's aligned to something greater for yourself, a vision for your life and a greater purpose in terms of how you want to serve the world, you're way more likely to get going on those things. I Yeah, I think about it in education. Like when I was doing my, uh, when I was in university and I was doing my master's, before I had my daughter, I got, you're, you're right. When did I do the paper? The day before it was due, <laughs> you know, cause I had all the time in the world. I, uh, I took for granted what I had. Right. And I think that that kind of speaks to human nature a little bit. Right. It's, it's kind of in our nature to take things for granted, but if you give yourself a deadline, even if it's a kind of an artificial one, you know, like I need to have this done by then. And you realize that time is, time is the most valuable resource you know right. and it's non-renewable that's know? right the time that you get is the time that you got and uh so it wasn't until i had my daughter that you know because i i was like oh yeah i'll get to my thesis i'll get to <laughs> that and then i found out that you know we 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 were my wife was pregnant and i was like oh yeah right <laughs> the first person i called this is actually embarrassing the first person i called to say i had a baby on the way was my supervisor my capstone my, my thesis supervisor oh really and he's like he's like oh congrats i'm like no no no, no. like we gotta get this done we gotta get this done <laughs> so anyways it was it was like that that fire under your you know you need to light that fire under yourself to get yourself that's going right. that's you know? right and and that that taps into the habits if you if you you talk about the morning ritual you talk about nighttime uh going to bed you know at, at, at the bedtime same time routine. every night yeah yeah. You know, which is, is again, is bu abused and taken for granted. Uh, setting goals, taking care of your, your mind, your fitness, your spirit. And then the last thing, which is what you're all about, is the acts of service. Right. But those are things that you can integrate into your daily routine that automatically you are not taking your life for granted. You, you're using it for the gift that it is. And what's a gift? It's something that's meant to be given. Right, right. Yeah, I think with habits, people say you you have to break bad habits. I don't I don't think that's it. I think you have to replace them. I think you have to replace the habits that aren't serving you well, or are are limiting your your progression, and you have to replace them. And and so I talk about, you know, a lot of people say I don't have enough time in my day, and if you think about some of those habits, especially the morning ritual and the bedtime routine, the morning ritual is as soon as you wake up. See, the minute that you 
you turn on your phone, the minute that you look online, the minute that you leave your house, you have no control over how your day is going to go. And so for many people, you hit snooze 10 times because a lot of people don't want to go to the job that they're going to, or they're not looking forward to school. So you try to get every minute of sleep that you possibly can to avoid mm. going to the place that, that just brings you stress and anxiety. Then you jump out of bed, you rush to get to work or school, and then you're trying to play catch up for the rest of the day. And then that's the week, the month, the year in your life. You're constantly on somebody else's time. And so one of the things that we all have control over, every single person has control over their morning. Now, all you have to do is wake up a little bit earlier, right? So you can say, it, it, it's only if you wake up 15 minutes earlier, 20 minutes earlier, and you do what I call the eight M's, but I really talk about five, five M's, meaning, meditation, mantra, movement, and then some type of... Um, um, mindset activity, mindful journaling. If you do any of those things, I mean, you can do all of those things in 10 or 15 minutes. And so think about it. If you are the one who controls how you start your day and you start your day with a morning ritual, not a morning routine, people often interchange them, but they're absolutely not the same thing. And I'm very specific mm -hmm. about these things because think about it. What is a routine? A morning routine is what? You it's something up, you could... Something you could do unconsciously. That's, you just said it right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. A morning routine are things that you do unconsciously. You got to get up, you brush your teeth, you're on auto program. What is a ritual? A ritual is something that you're conscious about. It's something that you, you make time to do because you know that it's, it's giving you the energy, the peace, the calm, and the clarity that you need. Now, imagine if you can only do that in 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day before anything else happens in your day. Now you're starting your morning on your terms, not dictated by your family and all the obligations or your work or society, it's you. And so that's something that people absolutely have control over, just like your bedtime routine. Those are two things that you absolutely have control over. And so I, I really believe that those are very powerful habits and it's made a huge different difference in my life, more clarity, more focus, more peace, calm, um, more aligned with what I'm trying to create in the world. Uh, I care less about what other people have to say about what I'm doing, right? You, you know, if you wanna build up this force field around what it is that you're trying to do, you need to take time and spend time tapping into that inner champion. And we don't do that. And so those are two great opportunities for you to really tap into that power inside of yourself. And, and going back to, I think what we're saying before we're recording, but success and that champion isn't something, you know, esoteric that's only for the gods, that's only for, you know, uh, uh, the actors and, the, and, and these giants of the world. It's in all of us, it's innate. Right, right. Well, the thing about success is, success is, is very individualized. Mm -hmm. The, the challenge with success is we allow society and we look at what other people tell us is success and we, in, we incorporate that into what we believe success is. There's so many times that we set out to do something and we achieve it and we feel nothing. We feel empty. And, and you know why that is, is, is because it's not what we wanted in the first place. It's not aligned with who you are what you're trying to create, the vision for your life. You just think, oh, maybe I should go get this car. Maybe I should live in this neighborhood. I can't wait till I get those zeros in my bank account. 
and you you get it and you wake up and you're like, wow, this is it. Yeah. It's because it's not it's not what you you yourself personally determined to be success. You you haven't really thought about what does success look like in my life. For some people, it's just like I just want to be at home raising my kids. <laughs> you know, that's that's success to some people. My my father, someone might say, my father and my mother wasn't in my life, so I'm, success to me is to be in my kids' lives and see them grow up and just nourish them, right? That's success to one person. To someone else, it could be living in a certain neighborhood or being able to to be a a, a digital nomad right. and work from anywhere. But you have to determine it for yourself. Don't allow society and other people to determine it. And a lot of the challenges that we have start with us being unclear of what we want. Yes. You need to be, clarity is, when you, when you really spend time getting clarity in your life, you, you're, you're, then you know what, what it is that you want and you can focus on it. Not run around doing everything else that you think everybody else wants you to do. So clarity is really the key to a lot of people breaking through these limiting beliefs and, and tapping into that inner champion. Well, and, and you even mentioned that in your book, like vision, you have to start with the clarity of what you're seeing. Like, you know, we, we people talk about vision boards and things like that. I mean, there's easy exercises that we can do, but you know, the Bible is, is I see it as the first motivational book that's ever been written. You know, there's so many gems right. in that book, like ask and ye shall receive. Right. But if you don't ask, you don't even know what you want to receive. Like, and, and, and the other thing that I always tell people is you've got to like, you've got to write it out. You have to, uh, you have to give these things in our heads and our minds form, you know, even, even if it's, if it's sadness, if it's sorrow, if it's joy, if it's a goal, you have to, the act of writing it out. Life is a very practical thing. You know, right. we can't just sit here and, and think it away. Although I love thinking, you know, <laughs> you know and, I, and I love reading and I love growing. But again, I like, I wonder what is the universality, or, excuse me, are there, is there a universal sort of what success is? And it seems to me that while you're saying success is highly individualistic, it seems like the, the, the zenith or whatever is when you're giving back. So if it's giving back to your kids, if it's being a digital nomad, but you're creating things that benefit the world, but you think about people who are quote unquote, very financially successful, but they don't give back. And they're kind of, they seem like miserable people. Take for example, Bill Gates. What, what's the most recent book he just just uh, wrote? Do you know what it's about? No. Climate change. Right, right. Right? Because he's he's gone to the top and he's like, oh, my God. Our world is in need of repair. Right. Wait a second. Why am I not saying something? You know what I mean? Like, when right, we look around right. and we're like, why is nobody doing something? Well, maybe you need to look inside yourself. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of us are, are waiting for someone to come and save us. No one's coming to save you. Yes. And you own your happiness. You own your success. Nobody can make you happy or, success or successful. It has to be within you. They can add to it or, or they can take away from it. And I think for a lot of us, because we're not where we want to be, we sit back and we say, if, if I could just meet the right person to, mm -hmm. to um, you know, to give me my dream job, if I could just meet the right person to invest in me, if I could just meet the right 
partner than every, no. See, you are your own champion. You are your own hero. And the thing about what you're talking about is when you step up, I, I, so there's this thing that I say, it's called raising a bar, A-B-A-R. It's an acronym. And you just touched on it. You have to raise your level of asking for what you want, believing that you're going to receive it, taking action and receiving it. Mm. So you have to raise a bar, right? Raise your level of asking, believing, action, and receiving. It's a challenge for many of us. And of all of those, I think the biggest challenge is receiving. Because what happens is, okay, every once in a while, we'll ask for more than we think we can get. And then if we make a little bit of progress, we'll start to believe that maybe it's possible. We'll take a couple of steps in the direction and then either we fall off or here's what happens. The receiving part is the most challenging part because you don't get it bundled up the way that you expect. Mm -hmm. And so when when you talk about missing opportunities, we miss a lot of those opportunities, whether it's the right person, the right opportunity itself, the right connections, whatever it is, because things don't come bundled up the way that we expect. And so it goes by and it goes by and it goes by. And then every once in a while we may catch it, but that's the biggest part. You know, we sometimes we we usually don't ask for what we want on the level that we want it, but every once in a while we do. We take a little bit of, we start to believe it a little bit. We take a little bit of action, but then the receiving part. It doesn't come bundled up the way that we expect, right? And so when you kind of start to move in that direction and you start to, you're more clear about what you want and you're more focused, then you actually lock in on, like, just like you did. You said the algorithms just seem to bring you things and it's because you're locked in on something. You know, we made this connection. You, 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 You saw me through somewhere on social media. It's because you're locked in. And so you raise the bar, right? You're saying, this is what is important to me. This is the message I'm trying to get out to the world. And somehow the universe is working with you to say, okay, here's the people that you need to connect with. And so, you know, this is a perfect example of you kind of raising a bar. Right. Yeah. You know what? And and I love that too, because I'm 31 years old and a lot of my life, you know, we get messages. We're, we're, Parents want their children to be humble, you know, but sometimes are, are kind of, and I think that's where that, that, uh, uh, well, let me rephrase. My parents wanted me to be humble. You know, I can't speak for anybody else's experience. I can only speak for my own, Right. but my parents wanted me to be humble. And I think that that made in, in me sometimes always second guessing myself and confidence, confidence could be dehabilitating, man. Like, I, I work with kids who, because they don't believe in themselves, they, they literally think they can't read. Like mm. they think in their brains that there's something wrong with the wiring that they can't breathe, uh, excuse me, read. And I work with them and I say like, just try this word. And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, my friend, just try it. Kids in grade two understand. And I'm like, Boom, you got it. And it's that right. instant feedback. And the kid, you could right. see in the kid, they're like, whoa, like, right. But, but, but the, you see that fire in their eyes. And I guess as a society, the work that you're doing, the work that 
hopefully I'm doing, again, talking about vision and, and what we want to do, is that we can stoke that fire that is inside of all of us. You know, yes, we love our superheroes, you know, but why do we love our superheroes? Because we think that there's, maybe there's something in them that we have in us. And the yeah. answer, like you said, is that we do, right? Right. All we have to do, like you're saying, is just be, when opportunity knocks, open the door. Right. Don't be like, right. oh my God, I hope they go away. They could have COVID. Right. Open that door, right? <laughs> there's, there's a strange irony that I want to touch on uh, before going into, into you know, work ethic. But the irony of, you know, we keep hitting that snooze alarm, right? We keep hitting that snooze alarm, yet we keep pushing away going to sleep. Like, like at night, you know, we'll be on our phones, on our tech. It's like we really don't want to calm our minds, you know. And then once we finally fall asleep, you know, and we're in that, that beautiful restorative place of, of, you know, REM sleep and, and our NREM sleep, then we wake up the alarm goes off and we keep hitting snooze. So I find that that's a strange irony that we delay going to sleep. And then once we have it, we delay getting up. Why do you think that that's such an irony? Well, it's the same as when we're awake, we're delaying our dreams. We put off our dreams. We limit our dreams. It's the same when you're awake, you think, Oh, maybe I one day want to own a home. And then what automatically you shut it down. And so, it's the same thing that we're doing is we're delaying our our dreams and our hopes and our desires. It's the same as when we go to bed. It's like, okay, I don't want to go to bed. I don't want to sleep. I don't want to dream because I know that my dreams are are limited. They're not possible. Then when you finally do wake up, you wake up and it's like, I don't even really want to face the real world because I'm not happy where I am in my life. I'm not where I want to be. And so what's the point of getting up out of bed? And then you hit snooze 10 times and you finally have to get up because you have to start your day. And it's very, um, you're very resistant to, to getting out there in the world, but you have to. And a lot of that really comes from us limiting our, our dreams and us not reminding ourselves of our, our wins. We don't spend enough time. You said it, the most powerful tools that we have in this world are a pen and a piece of paper. A pen and paper are the two most powerful tools that you have available to you. Like so many things in this world were changed because of a pen and paper, because of Absolutely. a story. Wars were started. Romances were, were formed. Um, visions were drawn out. Things that we thought were impossible started with a, an idea and then it was put to pen and paper. But yet most of us never do that. We don't journal during the day. We don't write down our goals and our dreams. We don't write down our wins. What are you grateful for? Write it down. We don't do those things. And so we get in this perpetual cycle of trying to avoid the discomfort of of setting the bar high. Most of us set the bar so low that we can trip over it and it doesn't move our life forward whatsoever because we're afraid to fail. We're afraid of disappointment. We're afraid of what other people will say. And so I think that's a part of why we just, the snooze gets hit. Mm. It's like, ah, I got to get up and go through all the motions for another day. My life is not moving forward. It's the same thing every day, the same job, the same people, the same conversations. But what we don't realize is that you have the ability to change all of that. It's, It's you. 
when is the last time you chose to do something different? When is the last time that you woke up before the alarm went off and did something different? Right. We all have the same choices. Right. So I, I just think that's part part of why, you know, we avoid waking up and going to sleep. It's like our dreams aren't possible. So what's the point of dreaming? And and, and I think that, uh, again, the the delaying because sleep to me is like if you want to be, you know, the. If you want to reach your maximum performance and I was talking to a sleep coach about this, you you have to sleep. Every, everything, even like, I'm no biologist, but like the, the, the smallest micronism or whatever, they, they have a form of sleep, obviously doesn't look like ours, right? But everything must rest, you know, even God had to rest. (laughs) Right. right? And I, I, and by the way, I'm not a super religious person, but I, I have my beliefs. But, but like I'm saying is that everybody must rest and you, we get some kind of mixed messages saying like, you don't need to sleep. You just need to work all the time. And it's like, That's right. that my friend is a very dangerous message, right? If you want to be the best that you can be, you have that night routine. Now, now correct me if I'm wrong. You have the morning ritual, but you call it a night routine. Yeah. I, I just, um, it, it probably isn't a, a, a bedtime r- ritual as well. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're probably both the same thing. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, but you, you, you just touched on something. I think that um, you, you're right because I think a lot of us just get so wrapped up in live in limitations, right? We, we, and that's why it's so important to remind yourself of your wins like have daily checklists. Yes. So when you check, when you achieve something, check it off, sit down every week and write down everything that you've done. And, 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 and sleep is a huge part of all of that as well. Like I never used to, I never used to think sleep was important because of what you said. When I looked at people who are highly successful, many of them talked about just hustle and grind. There's a reason why my podcast is called grind and gratitude mm-hmm. because it's like, you need a combination of both. Yeah. But you never really hear a lot of highly successful, what we consider to be successful people, put them together. It's either you need to hustle and grind all the time or just sit down and meditate and be grateful and the world is okay and, and attract the things you want. You need both. Yes. But sleep is so important. And I didn't realize that for years. There was a three or four year stretch where I was averaging four and a half hours sleep. And I thought it was a badge of honor because that's what society tells us. Don't take breaks at your job, sit at your desk and work through your lunch. Uh, You know, when you ask for a vacation, you almost feel guilty in your job asking for a vacation, even though it's time that you earned. And so we're taught in society, work, 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 work. And that's on purpose. I mean, it's deliberate. You know, society wants you. it's, It's to benefit these large organizations. You're a drone. That's exactly what it is, right? Yeah. So we're programmed from the early days of school to get a good job, work hard. Why do we have to work hard, right? Right? Because like, they want it, They want to squeeze as much everything. juice out of you. You right? said it. So, yeah. so you can all. It's 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 a big paradigm shift that we have to make within ourselves to understand that most of the things that society has taught us is to benefit society, not you as an individual, not your community, not your family. It's, yes. it's to benefit society. And that's a big shift that a lot of us have to make. I, I, I love what you're saying about sort of labor and uh, 
you know, we're, we're, we're a society that's underslept, uh, undervalued. And we talk about like, we've never worked harder in all of human history. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's stop for a second. <laughs> let's go back to the industrial revolution when we were, they were, we were laboring 10 hours a day before unions existed. Those people worked very hard, but because they were exhausted physically at the end of the day, they could sleep. Right. Whereas our jobs, it's, we're, we're in this weird state of, we have to accept responsibility of our lives. We need to stop, you know, I say, uh, uh, flexion, you know, point at yourself before extension going to back mm. when I used to bodybuild and stuff. Yeah. So you need to look at yourself again. I'm bring, I'm going to keep dropping the, the title of the book here. Grab the keys, get out of the passenger seat, like you're saying, and drive the car, right? Yeah. We, we keep thinking that people are going to come and save us, right. like you're saying. They're not. Yeah. You know, you've, we've, got to, we've got to figure out what we want. Because nobody's going to save you if you don't even know what you want. Right. right? right. I mean, Harriet, Harriet Tubman even talks about, like, you know, the people that are just, they don't want freedom. They don't want to experience it. And she says, well, I, I can't waste my time on people no. like that. We have got to go. Right. And that's how we have to be in life. We can't just... You know, when an opportunity knocks at a friend's door, we can't like beat their head against the door and say, open the door. That's right. right. We have to open our own door. And all we can do is just tell them, hey, man, that door is unlocked. If you don't answer it sooner or later, they're going to leave. Right. Right. Because it's not forever. Now, the other thing you're talking about is discomfort. And to me, discomfort, we that's also part of the lie of our contemporary society is that we're way too comfortable right? and it's killing us. We're not, we're not discomfort allows us to it's, and it's not about abusing your body. You know, it's not about not getting sleep. Discomfort is about experiencing things that can get us out of the lie of comfort, right? Sitting in front of a TV watching, uh, I always rip on Will and Grace because it's the first one that comes to my head, but sitting in front of the TV <laughs> watching Friends, <laughs> right. right? You're not actually enriching yourself. Now, I, I've been doing this thing lately. I, have you ever heard of Wim Hof? Wim Hof, no. Oh, man. I, okay, I'm about to give you a gym. Okay. So Wim, Wim Hof, he does these cold showers. Oh, yes, 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 yes. yes. And I was saying my, my friend passed away. And, you know, I can get so stuck in my head and my heart and my pain. So, you know, the day after he passed, it was Friday, excuse me. The day after he passed, I went to work because I didn't know what to do. Right. And then on Friday, I was like, okay, you know what? Now I'm, I, I'm just ignoring the problem, right? I'm going to go to work because on the way to work, I was like very emotional on the way home from work. I was very emotional. Obviously I'm not getting what I need. Right. So Friday I took work off and I did an ice cold bath. Mm. And I just, I, I said like, you know, to my friend, Steve, I'm doing this. Right. 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 And I went in there and it was like, and it just, it brought me into where I needed to be. And I was having, like, I was like shivering and, you know, obviously be safe when you do this. Anybody who's listening, you know, for those listening, be safe. But it just, that discomfort brought me to my own life, Mm -hmm. you know, brought me into the now, not the tomorrow, not the five years from now, brought me into now. What do I want? you know, and discomfort can awaken us to our own potential. Going back to what I was saying, we got two lives. The second one begins when we realize we only have one. Yeah. 
Well, you, man, Robert, you, you know, thanks for sharing that story. You know, one, one of the things too is that, that discomfort gets us to and what you're saying to realize we only have one life. Some of us wait till our life flashes before our eyes to realize we only have one life, you know, and I've been in a number of experiences like that. So I think what discomfort does is it gets us to that place without actually having to physically and mentally experience a near-death experience. And that's what discomfort does. You can't grow inside of a comfort zone. If people were to sit back right now and look at your life and look at your journey, look at the things that you were able to achieve in the past, the difficult things that you've been through, it was all uncomfortable, hmm. but it, it strengthened you. It, it got you to where you are. And sitting in front of the TV or saying or doing the same things that you do every day is not going to move your life forward. So it's this perpetual cycle of, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay comfortable to protect myself, but I'm not comfortable in this. It, uh, you, you remain comfortably uncomfortable. Yeah. It's like, I really don't want to be here, but I'm afraid to do something different because what if I fail? What will other people say about me? You know, all of these emotions and thoughts. So you stay in this really strange place where you think you're protecting yourself and you're protecting yourself to the point where your life won't change and you can't break through the challenging situations or the challenging times that you're having because you're, you're trying to protect yourself. And discomfort, it, it requires you to do something that you've never done. And mm -hmm. it's gonna be awkward, it's gonna be strange, it's gonna feel uh, weird, but that's a part of growth. That's how you grow. And if you think about anything that you've ever achieved, the very first time that you did it, it was uncomfortable. The very first time you drove a car, the very first time you went to high school or went to university, the, your very first job, that first relationship you were ever in, the fifth relationship you were in, everything is <laughs> awkward, right? It's all awkward in yeah. the beginning, right? It's all awkward in the beginning. So I, I love what you're saying, man. It makes so much, it makes so much sense. The, the, the other thing, and, and I believe you sort of touched on this, but words, words are just like, they're just words. You know, actions are, that's the work. You know, anybody could say, well, you know, you just got to believe in yourself and you watch these videos and I'm going to make you successful. And it's like, no, man, there's prag pragmatism. The ability of doing things. That's, that's what education should be about. I mean, I think contemporary education and, and you know, you are a proponent of, of advancing education, you know, in terms of practicality, right? is that it can be a little bit too lofty, you know? Like some of the things as an educator myself, I mean, that's my background, is that we're doing things that aren't actually making uh, uh, productive and powerful citizens. We're, we're, we're again, it's, we're feeding into the drone culture. Right. But we are getting away from that. But it's like, okay, well, how come in math, I don't learn how to do taxes? Instead, I'm doing Pythagoras theorem, which is that's cool right. and dandy, but I don't understand the usage of it. Right. Whereas, right. you know, like, and then, and then career development, like that course was such a joke. I didn't even <laughs> yeah. attend and I got an A. You know, I want to <laughs> be a police officer. Right. <laughs> right. Only to realize I don't want to be, a, you know, I like, so in education, there's, I think what they're getting more towards is the intrinsic education versus the extrinsic education. So it's like, how can we enrich ourselves and make ourselves successful versus knowing a bunch of content? 
right? Mm. Like, hey, that's great that Canada became a country in 1867, but why don't we talk about, you know, what your rights are as a worker, as an, you, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that we work in a system that has a hard time keeping up, you know? Yeah. And, and that's why you think about celebrities and they either stay relevant by being innovative or by being controversial. Right. You know, right. and in our own lives, it's do we want to be innovative or do we want to be controversial? And you are a proponent of we need to be innovative, you know? Yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, I think it's what you what you said about words and, and meaning and power. I think that's interesting. There's always a debate about do words have power and, and you know, words over action. And for me, it's the energy that you put behind the words because yeah. we know words have power words starts wars <laughs> yes. you know yeah words yeah. words make people shut down celebrities and other people shut down their instagram accounts so if they didn't have they didn't have power these things wouldn't happen words um you know make people fall in love so obviously yeah. words have power but it's the energy around the words and so yeah. we have to understand that because when people say to me affirmations and mantras don't work I say, well, I can absolutely prove it. And they said, well, no. And I actually landed a coaching client this way once. I was at a networking event, met this VP of a major organization, and we started talking about morning rituals. And he's like, I'm cool with the, the meaning and the meditation, but that mantra stuff doesn't work. And I said, if I can prove to you that it works, will you try it for seven days? He said, yes, but words are just words. And I said, okay. Have you ever told yourself you can't achieve something? Have you ever called yourself stupid? And then acted as if you were yeah he's like yeah I, I beat myself up sometimes i said okay well you just prove mantras work just in a <laughs> negative sense just a negative way so yeah. why can we always believe that i'm not smart enough i'm not good enough i can't figure this out i, I just don't I, I'm, I'm dumb i'm stupid because i never graduated university yeah and we believe that why can't we flip it and believe it the, the opposite way and so most of us believe it in the negative sense but we don't believe that words have power in a positive sense but it's the energy you put behind it in the actions, right? If you think that, oh, you know, I, I'm just the gym. I'm just not cut out for the gym. It's not my thing. I'm never going to be able to get fit. And you don't go mm. to the gym. How are you telling me words don't have power? You just gave the words energy to not do something. And so we have to learn to flip that. And, and it's that positive self-talk, the energy that we yes. put behind it, and then the action and we, that we take. And here's something. People say you just have to believe in yourself. That's one of the biggest lies we've ever heard in our life. All you got to do is believe in yourself and you can achieve anything you want. It's the biggest lie ever. Hmm. Progress hmm. equals belief. And my one of my friends, uh, right. uh, progress equals belief. Or another way to look at it, my friend Mario Armstrong, he says, you need many moments of momentum hmm. to achieve things. We're both saying the same thing. At 1%. That's it. You start to believe things are possible once you start to see progress, right? And that's, once you take that first step and you say, man, I, I've never been to the gym. I'm not a gym person, but you get up, put your sneakers on and go to the gym. After that first time, you're like, wow, maybe this is possible. The belief goes up. It's more than what it was before you, you started. So progress equals belief. And so when people say, all you got to do is believe, no, all you got to do is believe in yourself. That's not true. Right. You need action and energy around that. And then you'll start to believe in yourself. 
by the way, check on the uh, on the words. Yeah, I, I appreciate you correct me on that because you're right. Words are vibrations, you know, and and there's a there's a, you're right. There's a difference between just like this. So Jordan Peterson says, "I'm very careful with my words," and I love that line because I think as I talk, and I think that that's what we do, right? That's what I do. But I love when someone's like, well, actually, words do have power and we have to realize the power that they have, you know. But as you're saying, you also need that actions. Like when I say, you know, to, to my wife, we're going to go on a date on Friday. It's going to be great. You know, when I say that, I better back that up. <laughs> That's or I'm right. going to be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, you know, I, I, I love the expression of acta non verba, the Latin saying, deeds not words that's right right? or actions not words but at the same time you do need the words so people know what's happening words are words are almost like proclamations like this is what i'm going to do because if you just do it people are like well what the hell's going on right Right. you do need to sort of say hey it's like it's like a a, a, when you're driving a car and you put your blinker on you know if i don't put my blinker on and take a left turn people can be like what the hell's going on that's right right so our words, like you're saying, we're putting things into the world, but we have to back them up with our actions. Yeah, absolutely. It's about intention yeah. and emotion. It's the intention and yes. emotion around the words, yeah. right? The attention and emotion around the words. That's what gives it the power and the energy. Like you said, when you tell your wife, just like me, if I tell my wife we're going out on Friday, what happens? It's the emotion around, okay, they're happy. I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to spending time with you. It's the energy and the intention around it. So obviously it has power because it, it sparks something within you, right? So yeah, that's, that's great. I mean, and that's what it is. I mean, we, we should be careful about the words that we, we use. Yes, but at the same time, it's a conversation. We're allowed to say something and then have afterthoughts and adjust based on other people's feedback as well. I think that's important for us to understand. One of the one of my criticisms, my personal criticisms in sort of Western society is that when we speak to one another, it's like we're trying to be right or wrong. You know, somebody's it, it's like it's a, it's OK. You know, I'm trying to prove my point and prove that you're wrong versus in, in sort of more Eastern uh, cultures and communities. It's more about understanding. And that's very much what this is about is, you know, we're having a conversation right now and I'm just trying, all I want is to understand and, and, and get the gems that you're giving me, you know, versus like, well, Danny, what did you mean when you said this? (laughs) Right. And it's like, that's such a closed mind way of living. Right. Everybody has something to offer us. Like, you know, and, 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 and going into, I I don't want to go down that rabbit hole too much because I want to talk about being a man, being a person possessed. You know, like once I set my mind, I, I'm not going to lie to you, Danny, I have an addictive personality, right? Whatever okay. I do, I do it a hundred percent. Okay. And, and, you know, with my wife, she's a wonderful partner, but I can get so into what I'm doing and believe so much that I can almost kind of martyr myself. So what, what sort of pieces of advice do you have to somebody who, again, they find what they believe in their purpose but at the same time, they could almost get tunnel vision on that. Well, I think that's that's challenging. Uh, getting tunnel vision on something um, 
that just takes so much of your time and energy can sometimes block you out from your friends and your family. And so there has to be somewhat of a balance there. Yes. But I've found in the past, when I've really gotten focused and honed in on things, it's the same thing. Progress equals belief. So you have to, first of all, be careful who you tell your goals and dreams to. Make sure there are people who support you. But the other thing is, get people involved in the process so they can experience the progress as well. Like when I was writing my book, you know, a lot, I didn't tell too many people, but I would say, okay, I'm writing a book. And people say the normal thing. Yeah, right. And then it was like, okay, here's the book cover. And it's like, oh. And so I'd ask my wife, okay, well, what do you think of the cover? Oh, okay. I like the cover. Make these tweaks. Okay. Maybe this, this clown is going to write a book. Right. And then it was, I launched a website the book website and then a Facebook page. So along the way, as I started doing more with the book and engaging, you know, one or two of my friends and my wife, they were like, okay, maybe he's going to do this. And so when you engage people in something that you're extremely passionate about, even if they're resistant in the beginning, because you're doing it of service and they're seeing it or, or they're experiencing it along with you, they're more likely to get on board. And the other thing is share testimonials. I would like, I get messages on my social media all the time. I get emails from people who've, you know, either been to uh, a talk that I've given who read the book. And I share that with people. I say, you know, man, I just got this heartfelt message. And I ask for permission, of course, yes, if I can share. And then I share it. And then people are like, wow, that's another way for people to really believe in what you're doing. When you share the results, and the testimonials and how it's impacting people, then people have no choice but to be like, even if they don't like what you're doing, well, at least he's out here doing something positive. And so that's how you kind of get people on board. It's like you bring them along with the process, you you get them to experience what you're experiencing, and and hopefully they can they can experience some of what you're you're trying to do and see your vision. It's not always the case. If that's the case, then sometimes you have to limit your what you tell them if they're not on board until you get to a certain point. I always believe you have to be careful who you tell your goals and dreams to. Because right. sometimes the people you talk you tell them to will talk you out of them. Mm. And usually that's because they're not in a place where they're brave enough to take action on their own goals and dreams. And it's easier for them to kind of limit what you can do than it is for them to actually get up and take action. So you got to be careful who you tell your goals and dreams to. But if the people are close to you, then have them experience it along with you. Ask them their advice on along the way. Get them involved that way. Another check, man. That another <laughs> gem. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, one of the testimonials that you sent was was of the uh, you're you're doing the the prison the seminars for the prisoners. Yeah. And one one prisoner provided a testimony. Excuse me. One one person in in th- that you're providing this for gave a testimony of saying how thankful he was for it. And that to you was like, man, that was, that was such a, a compliment, such an encouragement. Um, tell us what, what brought you into the, into doing these seminars for, for the inmates. Um, we, I launched a book called new me with nine other black men um, at the beginning of, uh, I think it was 2019, maybe a year and a half ago. And the book launch went crazy. The mayor came, all these people came. Um, Actually, it was right before Obama came to Toronto. And during um, our big book launch, 
somebody, the organizer of the Obama event was there and she was so impressed that she gave us a $20,000 table in the, in the very front of the room. And the guy who brought all of us together to write the book, my, my friend, Jeff A.D. Martin, he actually got to meet Obama all because of this, because of yeah. the, and so what happened was it got picked up somebody in the, in the prison here in Toronto, a maximum security, security prison reached out and was just like, man, you know, it'd be great if we could get some books. So we sent them some books and then they continued to reach out and was like, well, would, would you, any of you guys be interested in coming in to speak? And I, and a few of us said, absolutely. And that opened the door. And so that opened the door for, to us helping them to get an Afrocentric library in the prison. Mm. So now they have 280 books of, written by black authors, including our books. Um, they have about eight or nine of our copies in there and they can't keep them in the book library. And so I went and I, I spoke uh, during the pandemic virtually. And um, it's really important to me because you know I grew up in low income housing surrounded by drugs and crime. And I was really headed down the wrong path. You know, I had gotten arrested three times by the age of 18. And I was really at a crossroads at that time. And if, you know, luckily uh, for me, I had my grandmother uh, who passed away now, Mrs. Monica Stone. And she was always in my ear about, you know, show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are, walk your own path. And, you know, she was really my first mentor. And so it's because of her that I decided to go a different way. But I, I, I could have been one of those men in prison. Right. I had so many friends that were in and out of jail. I had friends that got killed and that could have been me. And so when I had this opportunity, I had to go in and speak to these men and I was open and honest with them and they respected it. I said, look, I could be where you're at and you have a choice. Like so you, you are not your mistakes. You're not your failures. You're not where you grew up. So when you leave here, what are you going to do? Are you going to go back to being a caterpillar or are you going to be a butterfly? And then some of the brothers just kind of opened up and yeah, a couple of testimonials and they were just really open and honest in front of these other men saying, you know what, you're right. Like I got to stop making excuses about my life. Like I'm the driver of my life. And that's one of the things I said, I said, you can be a passenger and let fear and other people's opinions and the neighborhood you grew up in control your life, or you can kick all of that out of the driver's seat and be the driver yourself. And one of the fellas, you know, he said, you know, thank you so much. I've been a passenger my whole life, a follower, you know, and now I think I'm ready to be the driver. Now is my time. I'm going to be somebody different. And so, I, you know, it just really made me really emotional because I realized that could have been me. And I had so many friends and family members that have been incarcerated. So, yeah, it's just. It's really, uh, it's a really amazing opportunity. And the thing about giving is we always think that we're doing something for someone else when really we're doing things for ourselves as well. Of course. So. Feels it, great to give. It does, man. It does. And it helps me realize a lot about myself as well. Like, like I realize, you know, so many things about myself having these um, open and honest conversations with these incarcerated men. And um, so it's for me just as much as is for them. Well, and, and, and I think too, like the, the prison system is there, there, there's so many opportunities there that I think are, are just passed over because, you know, well, they're prisoners, right? But like you're saying, sometimes there's, there's people who this is all that they know or that they think they know that they can do, right? Going back to the passenger sort of complex. I mean, Malcolm X in his, in his autobiography, he views prison as 
that was his wake up because he started reading books and he started getting educated. And he had a guy who told him in prison, I can't remember his name, but he said, Malcolm, he's like, if you're a genius if you just use your brain. And then he starts using his brain and he became, you know, this, this, this motivational, inspirational person who said, man, like, look at yourself. We can become better. And really like, uh, um, uh, attorney Crump, like Ben Crump, he's saying without Malcolm X, there's no black lives matter. Right. 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 And, and you think about that, that was that opportunity and education can come, but so often inmates must think. And I interviewed a guy who was in the U S prison system. He was like, shit, man, this is it. This is who I am, Mm -hmm. but it's not who you are. And then you have someone like yourself go in there and say, here's the keys now drive. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they need to hear. So, yeah, man, there's a service. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's so rewarding, but we have to understand that with the, the, the prison system is a result of a failed school system for so many people, a failed um, justice system. You know, it, 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 we have to understand what is failed housing, community housing. And so we have to understand people think that you're a product of your environment. You're a product of your thinking. And if society tells you that you're nothing, and you, in school, you think that your history starts as you being a slave, we have to understand those effects that it has on people. And the same way we understand that if someone goes to an Ivy League school and you grew up in a wealthy neighborhood, that the chances are you're going to likely be wealthy, we have to understand if you grew up in a neighborhood where you have to do whatever you have to do to survive, that there's a, a great, a highly, there's a high chance of you doing what, doing that, that, doing what you have to do to survive. And so I think a lot of us, it's just a mindset shift that we have to make and a lot of incarcerated people have to make and uh, really understand that you're not where you come from. You're not the people that you are around. You're not the mistakes that you made, that you can change your life. And so I think all of us are one mistake away from mm-hmm. doing something that is extremely detrimental to our life. You see it all the time on social media, one comment, one statement, you know, out in the world, road rage. We're all one mistake away from really changing our lives in a terrible way. And so we have to give grace and uh, to some people who've made some mistakes and, and know that they can learn from their mistakes and come out and be better members of society. Well, I, I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. I agree <laughs> wholeheartedly, right? Yeah. Uh, everybody deserves an opportunity. And we were talking a little bit beforehand about you know, we do have a society that is full of castigation, you know, prejudice. And I think that why well, I, I believe that I know that supremacy breeds inferiority, right? If, if you think that because of how you're born makes you better than somebody else, that you can't get, again, you know, advice from, from just a stranger on the street, then you will you're robbing yourself of your opportunities. You know, if, if you have that open door, sort of like every, somebody can give me, you know, everybody I meet can give me something, then you will live, in my opinion, a full and enriched life. Yeah. I mean, I've had moments when I'm just sitting down and, and, you know, I could have my headphones in and just be completely shut off to the world. But instead I talked to, you know, an an older gentleman beside me on the sky train and he'd tell, and you get an old person talking, 
it's hard for them to stop. Like, I think I missed my stop by like (laughs) by five minutes or whatever. But anyways, he was telling me about his life. And it was like, man, what an opportunity. What a privilege for me to get this gem of what this guy's sharing. Right. So, yeah. Well, Robert, I I say we all have to live our lives a little bit like we're on vacation. Mm. And that's exactly what you did. When you're on vacation, you have conversations with strangers. You don't stress over things that are outside of your control. You appreciate the things around you and the beauty around you. You do things that you normally wouldn't do that normally make you uncomfortable, whether it's dancing by the poolside or jumping up on stage and making a fool of yourself. These are all the things that we do while we're on vacation. So if we incorporate a little bit of these things into our lives, what would your life be like? What would it be like if you if you were like Robert and you had this conversation with the person next to you instead of acting like you didn't see them? What would it be like if you didn't stress over the fact that you were going to be late for work? It's just the way it is. And when you get there, you get there and you'll be ready to work. What would it be like if you step out into your neighborhood and you go for a walk and you start to see things in your neighborhood that you've never noticed, even though you've lived there for 10 years? What would it be like if you decided to do something you've never done and that makes you completely uncomfortable, but you did it anyway and you actually loved it? And maybe that's going to lead you to your purpose. What would your life be like? So I say we should live our life a little bit like we're on vacation and just do those things that we do while we're on vacation. I, I love that, man. Like I was at Costco yesterday and what a miserable place. What a, what a great place to go to be like, okay, I need to put some more joy in my life. So, you know, and, and, and that was just it. Like people don't know how to drive there. I, you know, anyways, go to Costco, but just try to inject somebody with some positivity, you know, and just say, Oh, sorry, man, or whatever. Anyways, I saw it as an opportunity, not of like, Oh my God, dread. I got to go to Costco, which is what it is. It's dreadful, but (laughs) put some inject joy into your life, step into your present moment and, and that discomfort and use that as like a, you know what, maybe I can cheer somebody else up because I don't know if you look around, I don't think anybody's really looking. Most people aren't really looking at other people when they're at Costco. They're like, I need to get my chips. I need to get my whatever. But when you're like, Hey, yeah, yeah. And like, Oh, sorry. I'm in your way or whatever. You can inject that. Like you're saying that positivity be on vacation. Cause for me, life is a vacation. Right. Wow. I love that. It's a gift. It's a gift. But in in the other, you know what? It's crazy because my wife is like that too. People just come up and tell tell her their whole life, just like me. And yeah, I'm just like, I'm in a grocery store and it's like, oh, you know, today was, and I'm just like, okay, you know, but I think you don't know what other people are going through. And, and, Mm. and um, I'm going to be talking about this more. I'm actually working on another book. And part of the book is about um, micro conversations and the power of micro conversations. And when I tell you some of the five minute, three minute, seven minute conversations that I've had that have, in their words, changed their life, um, is powerful. That in a three minute, a five minute, seven, 10 minute conversation, it can, somebody, it can spark something in someone that either was hidden, that they never knew. So it, I really believe in, in the power of just just having these mini conversations, the power of how's your day going? Oh, you're not having a good day? Well, what's wrong? Well, guess what? It just got better because I'm your customer now. Like it, those kinds of things, yeah. you don't realize. You don't realize how powerful that is. So that's just the way that I live. Every day I just make up my mind to set out to just make at least one person's life better 
help them tap into that inner champion, at least one person. That's it. Yeah. Well, and that's the like switch, right? If you want someone to like you, you get them to talk about themselves. Right. Right. right? right. You know, it, it, not, not in like a, you know, Oh, tell me how great you are. It's like, if I come to you and I'm like, man, Danny, like, what do you think is the meaning of life? And I'm being, you know, earnest in what I'm saying, of course. Right. Then that person's like, Hey, this is kind of cool. Cause I, 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 I'm not good at sports. I don't know anything about that. Right. And anybody who knows me knows I don't know small talk. Like okay. I, you know, I'm, I'm inept at that. Okay. <laughs> and, and I was talking to this guy and he said, uh, he was a Romanian. He, he had a thick accent. And, uh, and he said, life is like a flower. I don't even know how that came up, but it was so beautiful in the sense that he's like, do you, do you know what I mean? And I'm like, yeah, I think it's like, we kind of just wish that we got to the destination, but we don't enjoy the journey. And he's like, yeah, that's exactly it. Life is like a flower. We, we don't seize it as it blooms. Mm. You know, we wait till it's wilted and die. And then we say, oh, damn, flowers are dead. Right. That's right. Enjoy it while it's blooming. Yeah. There's, there's that's another good. thing that you're talking about, and that's champion you. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about that. So champion you is, um, it's, it's this, this coaching approach, this program that I'm talking about, and it's really quieting that inner critic and bringing up the inner champion, the champion within you. And we're all champions. The fact that you're still here means that you're a champion. You've achieved so many things in your past. You've, you've overcome so many challenges. You're a champion. And you have to remind yourself that you're a champion. And you have to get back to, to feeling that, that, to walking in the confidence that you know that you have buried within you. And really being brave enough to, be, to, to, to find out what it is that you really want and to pursue it. And to tell your story. You know, we all have a champion story within us. You, you think that my, my story is not that interesting. I promise you, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what your story is. There are thousands, if not millions of people that need to hear your story. And so that's what champion, uh, you know, champion you is all about. It's about finding your inner champion and sharing that with the world. And because, I mean, you know, the other thing is, is, is accepting things and, and thank yous have always been hard for me, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but you're a champion, Danny. Now in your book, you talk about growing up and, and uh, Miss Monica Stone is sorry. Mrs. Monica Stone. Yeah. It's my Mrs. Monica Stone. And she had a farm or, or there were fruits and stuff. And you'd go there and you get the fresh fruits. In the backyard. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. If you had a time machine and you could go back and see yourself as five-year-old Danny, you know, would you envision, would that five-year-old envision that you'd become the person you are today? No, <laughs> probably not. But what I did have back then was a lot of love and compassion. And from my grandparents to, you know, my mom, to my, my uncles, to my, all my siblings, that's one thing that I always saw in my life. We always had love. We always cared for other people, even when we didn't have much. And so I definitely wouldn't imagine me being here at this level, but I, I, I probably would imagine that I would do my best to kind of help people however I could, <laughs> but I definitely wouldn't have seen all this for myself. No. Would you, would you say anything to five-year-old Danny, you know, as, as who you are today? Yeah. Keep dreaming big. 
don't let anybody tell you that you can't do anything that you don't, that you think you can do. And, um, you know, sometimes people aren't going to believe in you, but that's okay. Cause they're not, they have their own dreams. You continue to follow yours. That's wonderful, man. Thank you. I, I, I knew this would happen. It always <laughs> does. I looked at the time. It's an hour and seven minutes. I'm sorry that's, for taking that's up all more good, time. Man. That's, that's great, man. No, I, I really enjoyed this. And you know, Robert, I want to say to you, you know, thank you for uh, having me on your show. And uh, I really appreciate, you know, the time and the effort. And I can tell that you really did your homework and your research. And, and so it's great to be on a show with someone who actually takes time to understand their guests and, and the impact that they're trying to make. So uh, I really appreciate that, man. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Thank you. And, uh, and yeah, thank, thank you for, for the, the feedback. Um, again, saying that, you know, when we're given an opportunity, take, you know, Spider-Man said it well. With great power comes great responsibility, you know. And to be here with you, that that is a privilege. And I want to do right by it, you know. Not just take it for granted. Not take life for granted. Yeah. Life is a flower. <laughs> I love it, brother. I love it. So, <laughs> thank you very much, Danny. And I, I, I really hope we can have you on again. Thank you. Take care, brother. All right. Once again, that was Danny Stone sharing with us his journey and some, some gems and some advice in the work that he does. It was a privilege having him on the show, and I love what he was saying about words and how they are incredibly powerful. We need to look no further than what's happening in terms of cancel culture and the effects that, well, the consequences of the things that people say. That said, words are only part of the equation. We also need to reinforce our words with our actions. And again, not just being presentative, but also practical in, in who we are and what we do. I also love what he said about, about discomfort and how sometimes that's what we need to shake us and wake us from being asleep at the wheel of our own lives. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you again for listening. I'm Robert Grant, and I'm probably wrong about everything.